Uh, I was actually supposed to open for uh, Jimmy JJ Walker uh, in my the last weekend I had booked back in June before everything closed down in uh, in uh, uh, was it Paramus Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey at Bananas Comedy Club. I was supposed to open for Jimmy Walker, and uh, wow. unfortunately. With COVID, I did not have the opportunity to do so. Does he yeah. still go by like Jimmy JJ Walker, like in quotes? I, Di- I, dynamite somewhere. Dynamite. I feel like he might. I feel like he might. I mean, wouldn't you, Jeff? Oh yeah, Ted. Do you remember when the confluence of dynamites when Jimmy Walker was on the cover of Dynamite magazine? It was like holy crap. Yes, I do. I do. Um, that was an explosion of goodness. I have somewhere i have a copy of dynamite not that one i'm trying to remember uh which one i have uh but i mean i used to have a, a yeah bunch. i think um, i photoshopped you ted on a cover of dynamite maybe, magazine a, a few years back maybe there yeah that's a that's a very distinct possibility wasn't the fonts on the cover of one? Oh yeah god he was yeah. on a couple sadly yeah. chachi was too but we're going to retcon all that, get rid of Chachi on all the, all the things that he wants, that once people enjoyed. All Chachi media burned. (laughs) You remember like when the White Sox had the down with disco um, rally in the late seventies, when everybody was fed up with disco and they, it was the worst promotion like of all time because they burned records in the middle of the ball field after a game. Yeah, they like blew them up or something. Yeah, they blew Uh, it up, started a fire, and then people ran out into the field. In fact, it's I I I had like I had a vague vague memory of it, but I'd forgotten how repellent that DJ was until I uh, I saw that uh, Bee Gees documentary recently on HBO, and they um, they do a segment on that whole thing and how kind of that affected them. Um, The whole disco sucks. But that guy's shtick was terrible, man. He just like he wore like a World War II helmet, and I, I don't even I don't even remember. But it was well, just like he's going to hate our next segment, then, Jeff. It's yeah. this is, uh, I know uh, you should see the helmets we have. That's really it's really offensive. Oh, we listen, apolo- maybe we'll skip over that. I apologize. I'm a big helmet fan. Well, I actually had a, a a hat collection as a kid. That's how cool I was. Well, Chip and I do a uh, we do a Daft Punk little song and dance in the middle of every show just to see if people are listening or watching. It's kind of fun. And they're not, which is good. Ted, you had a hat collection. Was it a funny hat collection? Like a Viking hat, like a uh, Uh, pith helmet? I, it was like helmets. Like I had a world war two helmet. Uh, America, America, world war two. Oh yes, absolutely. I didn't know. He passed the test. Um, But, uh, but yeah, yeah, just and then just ridiculous, like um, it, it, no Viking helmets. It didn't get too crazy, but uh, yeah, yeah, mostly just makes me a little sad thinking about it now. But. You just walk into the room every now and then, and you're like for dinner, and you're just wearing like a pith helmet, and your sister's like, "Oh God!" <laughs> I mean, Ted, now, take your helmet off for dinner. I have a hat wing in my house now. <laughs> that uh, yeah, um, but. <clears throat> And it, you know humidors with all that. Oh yeah, yeah. In them and, yeah. A hat humidor. Yeah, very important. Keep Guys, we already started the show, but we know <laughs> Chip. We officially have to start off the show with the Junk Miles theme song. Correct. One hundred percent have to.
Hello, everybody. Welcome to Junk Miles with Chip and Jeff. I am Jeff. I am here in cyberspace with my co-host, Chip Chantry. Chip Chantry, how are you? I'm good. I'm also floating around here in cyberspace. It's uh, fun, doing, right? Jeff? Yeah. Doing great. Uh, my dog was just hacking up, up a lung in the background. I apologize for that. Um, she might make an appearance later. Chip, I want to get right to our special guest. You know, a lot of times you and I just kind of dick around and talk mm -hmm. and just, yeah. I think, waste everybody's time when we really, know It really is a waste of everyone involved. But uh, I want to get right to our guest because he is also floating around in cyberspace with us. He is wearing a Viking helmet with a, it looks like a spacesuit. So this should be great. <laughs> Everybody, welcome. Actor, writer, comedian, and most recently, executive story editor on the new Fox animated show, The Great North, and one of my most favorite human beings ever, Ted Travelstead. Welcome, Ted. Hey, thanks for having me. This it's is pleasure. fun. Pleasure to float around with you. Yeah, I think if everybody, just to add to this, if you're just listening, there'll also be a video, but just please picture us floating around, occasionally gently bumping into each other, like mm -hmm. sweet, gentle bumper cars. Yes. Yeah. 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 Maybe just a slight buzzing sound, yes. fluttering, you know. Yes. Nothing too annoying. Uh, just, just, yeah. Yeah. Chip, wasn't Sweet Gentle Bumper Cars your fifth comedy album? <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, it was uh, It was the early 90s and a uh, <laughs> lot of OJ material in that one. A lot of OJ material. <laughs> That's awesome. This is very exciting, Ted. Um, you are probably busy at work, correct? Like today, all week, these past few months on your, your new endeavor, your new gig? Yeah, yeah. It's been, uh, it's been a saving grace and a nice anchor uh, to my sanity. Yeah, and I would imagine. I'm very grateful and lucky to be employed during this time period and working on something creatively that is so much fun. I'm going to give everybody a brief synopsis of what the show is about, Ted. And this is right off the cuff. This is just me after watching two <laughs> episodes, trying to get a feel. I'd say it's it's an American adult animated sitcom created by Wendy Molino, Lizzie Molino, Minty Lewis for the Fox Broadcasting Company. The Molino sisters and Lewis serve also as executive producers, along with, of course, Lauren Bouchard. The series premiered on January 3rd, 2021. I'm guessing, again, just guessing. <laughs> and I believe I heard the voices of Nick Offerman, Jenny Slate, Will Forte, Paul Rust, Megan Mullally, Alanis Morissette, Dolce Sloan, and Aparna uh, Naturala. Aparna Naturala. Yeah, yes. I mean, you're just guessing, so I'm, I'm guessing. This free is, to again, correct you a little bit, off. you know. Yeah. You really yeah. gleaned and, a lot from those two episodes. Yeah. Well, I, I pay attention. Crazy because it's this, it's all non-plot details that you mm -hmm. kind of picked up, which. <laughs> a lot of people, when they watch shows, Ted, they listen to the, the dialogue, follow the plot. I'm what you call just like a. Uh, credits a, nerd? Yeah. A, 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 a minutia nerd. I just want to know credits. I want to know gaffers. I want to know best boys. Mm, yeah, totally, totally. I have a, I have a whole scrapbook of best boys, uh, <laughs> different things I've worked on. Um, <clears throat> and, and I'll have to say that's something that I really look for in a good cartoon is is the lighting. Yeah, that's what I really like. Boy, they really they really made this look authentic. The the, the lighting people. Ted, I have Absolutely. a question. This is Chip just brought up a good point because, like, and this is going to be so dumb. But when I hear like director of a normal sitcom. 
I've watched, I've listened to enough behind the scenes podcasts or they tell you exactly what a director does. I've seen movies like a director for an animated sitcom directing the voice actors at a table more so than because there's no real live action, right? Uh, no live action <clears throat> on this particular um, cartoon animated show, which premieres February 14th, actually. All these, anything up to this point has been a sneak peek. Ooh. So, uh, yeah. Um, you know, I know you were guessing. So, again, I, again just, just, yeah. Just guessing. Um, <laughs> I, what's interesting is that the director, uh, I've worked on a number of animated things. This is the first animated show that's made it to air. <laughs> um, uh, so like I've worked on animated films and stuff, so I don't really get the same behind the scenes kind of th as this, but Wendy and Lizzie, uh, the creators of the show, they do a lot of the voice directing, um, for when, when it's recorded, but the director, there's, God, there's so much, I, and I'm still very green as far as like what goes on, but there's so much to do um, beyond that, as far as like, you know, what goes into creating, you know, one scene as far as blocking and, and actually lighting and all these other, you know, elements and acting um, as far as like the animated characters and how they act and talk and speak. And, cool. and you're on, you're on the writing side of it. I am. I'm on the writing side of it. But what's cool about this show is that it, for our, as a writer, yeah, you're used to as a writer, kind of like um, on other shows I've worked on. It it it's kind of varies from place to place, but um, with this show, you have a lot more um, responsibility for your episode from start to finish. You get to kind of see everything along the way, as far as writing it, but also uh, you know the voice records and the casting and the stages of animation. Uh, you know, Wendy and Lizzie are there, but they're also, they bring each writer for each of their episodes along to, to kind of be involved in this process from start to finish, which is- Are you the, the primary writer for your episode or are you working collaboratively with a, with a group as you go through the episode? Uh, you're the primary writer, but it's all, you know, it's very collaborative as all shows are, um, seem to be but this one much more so i mean you have um you have your episode idea and you pitch that idea and 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 uh and then you kind of foster it you get your own little you get help from everybody along the way um as you go and then of course once you turn in your uh your first writer's draft as they call it then then everybody's pitching in to kind of help you know um punch up jokes and story. And so, yeah, then it becomes a lot more collaborative uh, after you do that initial draft. I was very excited to see you were attached to this because I think Chip will agree, you know, we're both really big fans of, you know, your Twitter and it's very unique Twitter where you, you create these fantastical little worlds um, over the years of just beloved characters, very strange, very <laughs> you. Your whole, you know, family members, your your naughty nephews, <laughs> a lot of scamps, a lot of handfuls. Oh, your um, neighbor Gregory, I believe, is that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, a lot God. of neighbors. Gregory, your, uh, neighbors, step step cousins. Your your bunny, who actually is just a bag of jelly beans, but you still love him just as much as if he was a real bunny. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, when yeah. when I thought when I think of Ted, 
at Trumpet Cake. <laughs> when I think of Ted, and then I see a show created by the Molino sisters and that sort of beloved cohesive family unit in a show where there's just wondrous things and weird things. That's Ted. So you must have been pretty excited to to get involved with this. Oh yeah, uh, hugely excited. I I knew Wendy and Lizzie before this, and right. uh, I'm friends with a number of writers at Bob's Burgers, which which is where they are and were and still are, but now they're involved in this new thing as well. Um, and so yeah, I knew and loved them uh, before this ever started, and when I found out that they had, uh, you know gotten this opportunity, I, I got in touch and said, I'd, I'd love to throw my hat in the ring because, you know, it'd be a dream to work with you guys. And then, you know, just got very lucky that I was able to to do that. But they have a, the, you know, similar sensibility and mm -hmm. just, it feels like this is really, you know, um, the closest I, I've gotten so far without creating, actually creating my own show to to kind of be able to interject my odd sensibility into something um and have them appreciate that and want it to be a part of it so yeah i would imagine once you threw your hat in the rain they were probably like oh ted would be perfect for this well i'm just i yeah i, I you're a humble I, man you're a humble yeah. man too. <laughs> i'm lucky and grateful and and yeah i mean twitter has been great i mean it's hard it's crazy to think that we've been on that god forsaken website for you know mm -hmm. more than 10 years mm -hmm. um uh, we were on but, it when it used to be fun yeah, exactly. Well, and that's something that I've been seeing. Like, I, I'm hoping that it gets back to that a bit. I mean, it's just become such a the wasteland, as people call it. I've always enjoyed it. And people always, you know, they say, oh, I hate Twitter now. I can't stand it now. I always go because I always go to people like used wigs and trumpet cake and people like that to take me away from that. Yeah. And I, and I try to do that, too. I try to be funny and absurd and on Twitter and tell jokes. But then I, sometimes after a week, I'll just look back at my tweets and it's all just angry political things just and so i try to remind myself to stay out of that i'm I'm really hoping that it can kind of sort of the the, the dust can settle a little bit and we can get back to just being absurd and funny and weird and maybe some of those other people will leave twitter and we can just we can reclaim it for a while yeah, yeah. i think a lot of people if they all you have to do is just block like bad Republicans, block people who are reply guys, block, and it becomes a lot more enjoyable. And I, I think most people know that. But Ted, like back in the day, Twitter was a, a, obviously still is a great outlet for you. But I, I, I hearken back and I just stumbled across your uh, twins talking. Um, remember Vine? <laughs> yeah. Your series of, of twins talking was one of the just the highlights of social media over the past 10 years. Oh, wow. Um, That's nice. Um, Chip, Ted <laughs> did just, it was twins. It was Ted playing two twins and it was just back and forth action between two different Ted's. And my God, when Vine was going under over there, said it was gone. I'm like, let's make sure that's saved for posterity. Yeah. But did you funny. find early things like that, you know, Obviously, that was a great outlet for your creativity that you could do kind of on the cheap, get it out oh, there. Yeah. Get it yeah, no, it was great because it was just like, and it was, you had this automatic, what is six seconds, seven seconds, yeah. seconds, you know? So it really turned into kind of like a three panel comic strip. It was like, yes. you, you know, one twin, then a reaction, then, you know, it's like, uh, and, 
yeah, it was like the it was really a perfect outlet for just letting these characters be, you know, and just do this this thing. And I ended up doing quite a bit of them. But like, um, so yeah. But I but then it just the vine stopped, and I kind of stopped, and that was okay, you know. I'm glad that it, people liked it. It was, you know, and people are like, oh, you should do TikTok or whatever. And I, it, it starts to just get. You don't um, want it to turn into a jo- an onerous job. You just want to, back then it was, it was fun. And you took the kind of British sitcom way out. You're like, I did it. I put it out there. I'm not going <laughs> to drag it out. Right. I mean, I, I did think it certainly, I had crossed my mind, like, how can I take this further as far as like, you know, let's create a show for these two characters or oh, let's, my, yeah. um, you know, uh, I, and that was explored, you know, um, but I, yeah, it just, it was, it did, it did. And on Vine itself, it started to become a little bit like, uh, you know, trying to like, as soon as anything, same with Twitter, all that stuff. I mean, it's always for me, like as soon as it becomes like a chore, then mm-hmm. I'm like, I gotta, you know, it's it outweighs the benefits of like that instant gratification of whatever we were, you know, <clears throat> craving when we're on these social media sites. Like if I'm at my keyboard, like for more than, you know, 10 minutes trying to think of a funny tweet, it's like, oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta stop, you man. You know, yeah. like it's just, yeah. it, it, you know, I mean, it's, it's one thing to kind of have the, you know, to have an idea and like be trying to craft it in a funny way. And that's, but like straining to, and that's just be, me personally. Be the beast. Yeah. But I think it's hard sometimes too. I, it, that must affect your creative process a little bit because even though you get that adrenaline from that, oh, I got X amount of likes, it also is feedback into your process. Like, oh, I, I hit this vein and people really seem to like it. So obviously I hit on something good. Maybe I can follow this. And when you're writing a, especially a cartoon where it's, it, it is a long process. Like this isn't going to be shown for weeks or months. It's years. You, yeah. you do have to maybe second guess yourself or because you're not getting that instant feedback or that confirmation of, I mean, I guess you can get that from your coworkers, but th- that you don't get, Oh, this, this is great. You, you have to, I guess, trust the process a bit more to, you know, until it gets da- kicked down the road absolutely and 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 yeah it becomes it's it's very interesting the difference between something that you know takes a year to to craft and something that takes you know five minutes or whatever you know or um and yeah that's when you have to trust the process and trust the creators and like uh, they've assembled such a wonderful team of both writers and just the people you know animators and directors and everybody working on the show but like the writers specifically it's just a really good group of people and it's a kind of group of people that like you can you can tell and it's not like i've been in a million writers rooms and i've had good experiences with all of them but like you can really tell that's it's a good working situation when you you're not afraid to say something stupid and like you can be silly. That's because like when I feel like I can be silly, I'm often saying stupid things too. But then it's like there's there's environments where you're like, uh, especially if you don't know people, you don't you don't want to pipe up with something 
You don't want dumb. to bring up your, your cousin Braden, right? Like right away. <laughs> right. Right. Step cousin Jeff. <laughs> Sorry. I, I do have a pretty good flow chart of all your relatives. I just get those guys mixed up. Um, but yeah, and 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 like um, you know, Wendy and Lizzie have been working on Bob's for so long. It's 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 amazing the amount of things that just how good they are and how uh, like they notice things both in story and crafting a script and later on in looking at animation that I'm like, I'm, I'm like, the color is different. And they're like, you know, his, the arm is moving like slightly. I mean, it's just it's the, the level of things that they're able to notice, but yeah, sorry. That, I think it is, it becomes, it's a, you know, about the process and the people you're working with. And, you, you know, by the time, like my first episode airs in April that I wrote, it, it's, Oh, I've seen it so many times that it starts to just be like, I mean, it's very easy to be like, what is this? Like what, <laughs> you know, but you have to remember that people are seeing it for the first time and that you're also, there's many eyes have been on it already and they're good eyes. You know, that have you been working? Eyes. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. Uh, have you been working in the office? Have you been having to do it remotely? Yeah, we've been doing it remotely since March. Okay. So last March. So yeah. Yeah, and we've had small breaks here and there, but but we got a second season renewal <clears throat> before we even aired, which is a that's fantastic, was, that's great, godsend. So Fox, yeah, was really excited about it, and then uh, and so that just kept us going. Yeah, but it's been all over Zoom, and um, so this is a nice break for you to get <laughs> online with some other people who want to talk. Well, it, listen, I, Riverside FM. Uh, which <laughs> is it's a whole different animal than it's the Zoom, upper echelon so. of Zoom, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is like, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it just no, sounds like I mean, like an it sounds like an adult contemporary music festival that you would go to. Like, yeah. oh, you guys going to Riverside <laughs> FM this weekend? Yeah, it's BYO. Bring bring some cheese. Bring some wine. Bring you a box of wine. Uh, you know, yeah. I hear I hear Train is playing. It's gonna be great. <laughs> For our listeners, we are using a platform for the first time, not Zoom, called Riverside FM, and we're actually really enjoying it so far, but it is a, a kind of lamentable name, as Chip just pointed out. I, I do want to go to that fest. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, you know what? It's so much better of a name than when I, f like, right before I moved out here in 2013 uh, to write for a show, I had an interview with the... Um, the creators but it was over it was a video conferencing interview and uh what the platform that they used then which we was um and it still might be something that people use was called blue jeans yep still and, there <laughs> and it was i i was just i was astounded that there was like the big the the name the brand that hollywood trusted for video <laughs> conferencing was blue jeans <laughs> I think it's, I mean, it's it stopped working in the middle of the interview call and we had to switch over to, to Skype, I think. Uh, I love no. when I think of blue jeans, like I think of just, you know, shady Russians selling American blue jeans. First of all, <laughs> I think of, I believe, Michael Ian Black's character, Johnny, blue Johnny, Jean, blue jeans, one of the greatest from a short lived variety show chip called. Uh, was it called Viva Variety? Viva Variety. Yes. Viva variety, he, yeah. he was Johnny blue jeans. Um, yeah, that's a weird name for uh, for a online uh, video chat platform. But you know, the weird, the, the big denim background 
and you were each in individual pockets. Yes. Right? Which is very weird. Yes. I, I would always request the change pocket. Um, you know, because it's heads, just kind of cozy. Head, just stick head out. sticking out of the little tiny yeah. change pocket. Hey, guys. Um, now, you're both, yeah. you both are comedy writers. And I, we were just touching on Twitter. You get that immediate feedback. You get that immediate burst of like adrenaline when something hits. But like you both write a script. You have to wait months it finally airs ted like are you sitting there with julie watching your show let's say i guess you were you wrote for wilfred i believe was that mm -hmm. one of the shows when your episode comes on and like one of your favorite jokes comes on do you just look at your wife and be like she better laugh like this is this <laughs> you know like and chip same thing you know like you, you know you worked hard in this joke you wrote it eight months ago you're probably like Kim. Yeah, well, she's the one audience member. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I stand next to the television <laughs> with, my, with my arms crossed, looking at her, uh, waiting for her to pick out and laugh at yes. specific jokes that I. Uh, that I wrote and um, yeah, there, there's two strangely Eastern European men uh, with with like lab coats and and, uh, and, and a clip clipboards just like marking marking things down. But she's, uh, you know, she is 100% every time. So I can't. Yeah, there you go. Um, Ted, I, I mentioned in, in prepping for this very important meeting on Riverside FM, the new video conferencing platform, it's kind of sweeping the nation right now. Um, <laughs> And by the way, Ted, we should tell you that this also is an interview for a job. We didn't want you to be too nervous, but yes. just, oh, just, just mind wow. your P's and Q's, and you know, hopefully it'll work out. That's all we're going to say. We don't want to say. I hope so. Is it, will I be working for Riverside FM if everything yes. goes well? Yes. Okay, it's a blue, it's a blue jeans company. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we have a brand of blue jeans called Riverside <laughs> FM Blue Jeans. <laughs> See, now that is next level. That is we're already in three lawsuits uh, litigation about the name. We, everybody's coming after us. But Chip and, and I are very, we, we do what we want and we'll fight tooth and nail we for will. Riverside well, FM Blue Jeans. Can I just ask for these lawsuits and all the preparations, what video conferencing network do you use for that? Oh, wow. Uh, we, we actually use, it's actually, and it's a much older, uh, just not as high tech audio equipment. It's called Trousers. And uh, it is okay. not. It's very scratchy. It's very echoey. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Dad seem to enjoy it. They use it they a do. lot. They do. Yeah. <laughs> this is the part of the show. Chip and I introduced this segment um, a few episodes back. We're enjoying it. We're getting a lot of great stories from people. And we even actually have a little theme song we're going to play with that too. But I'm going to enjoy it. This is a new uh, segment on our show called That's Fantastic. It's everyone's favorite new topic on Junk Miles. Uh, it's where our guest tells us something fantastic they did or are currently involved with that brings them a lot of joy. Ted, would you be so nice to tell us something fantastic? Was that Haircut 100? You got it, buddy. 100%. Oh, yeah, man, that brings back some really, really enjoyable memories. Ted, I will um, tell you, they had more hits than you remember. After this show's done, grab yourself a special drink, get on YouTube, type in Haircut 100. You'll be surprised. I I will be surprised, but not that surprised. Oh, since that's I true. Was, I was, you know, like I was yep. right there. 80, you were right there. 85, 86. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, jamming away. Um. I'm gonna, I had a little trouble with this one. 
uh, with this, you know, I'm afraid, I don't want to let anybody down. I, no. you know, I, I, um, like <clears throat> in this time that we've been living in, it's been harder to find kind of these joyful moments. And I'm lucky that my job is, is brings me joy. Um, but I, I gotta say at first, when, when you, you broached this topic, I was like, good Lord, all I do is work and then watch mixed martial arts and fall asleep. <laughs> and like, that suck. That, that just doesn't, there's not, it doesn't sit. Although that, that, you know, brings me to a, a baseline level of happiness working, the working and creating for the show is, is joyful. So that's, I'm very lucky there. But then I was like, okay, so I have to figure out there's little things here and there. Like my attention span lately has just felt like I can't keep, uh, you know, like, I used to read all the time and I'm finding that I'm, I'm not reading full books right now, you know, mm -hmm. but what I am doing is picking up books and reading little parts of them. So, and finding small moments of joy. So I was going to say, there are a few things that I can suggest that I have found small moments. of yeah. joy in. Um, one of them is I rediscovered, um, Kleban, which is, uh, which is a guy that I loved as a kid, um, a cartoonist who kind of preceded Gary Larson. And I don't know, he, he used to draw a lot of cats and he has um, a book, he has a bunch of books of collections. One's called Never Eat Anything Bigger Than Your Head and other drawings. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's like um, absurdist, funny kind of, Drawings. This this is really crazy. Uh, Jeff and I were talking about about this interview, and we were talking about some of the animated series that inspired us and cartoons. So I was just going back through and thinking about it literally today, and I had listed The Far Side and Kleban as one of my favorite. It's it's because I was always a Far Side fan, and I loved it so much, and always am. And then he just sort of, I although I sort of per preceded The Far Side, I guess, but like it's just The Far Side even farther on that. It's so crazy yeah. it's it's one of my favorite things in the world yeah yeah so that was i had kind of forgotten about that but like it's it's one of those things that um when i was a kid like there was a few things that specifically kind of i felt like defined defined my there you go um defined my um sensibility comedic sensibility and i think this and the far side and like the jerk um Mm -hmm. are all these kind of strong kind of uh, Looney Tunes, uh, you know, cartoons. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so that, that, that he it crossed my radar again recently. And I was like this. So just like looking at, you know, um, at that once in a while is, has been a source of joy. Um, and then also this is way on the other polar opposite end, but there's a, a writer named Harry Maurer, um, M-A-U-R-E-R, -E who is, uh, is kind of, he's a, a journalist in the vein of Studs Terkel, who mm -hmm. wrote, you know, Working and, and you know, just kind of these auto uh, oral biographies of people. Um, <clears throat> but he wrote a book called Not Working um, in the 70s. And uh, it, it, it's like um, interviews. And he also wrote a book about Vietnam called Strange Ground. And both of these books are just books that I can pick up and sit down for 10 minutes and look, just go anywhere in them because they're like, 
just snippets that they're just interviews with people um, uh, about and, and about not working and about not having a job, which I think is very kind of um, relevant right now and has been, uh, you know, in the past four years and last year, past year, especially. Um, <clears throat> so those are two things that have brought me some joy. And then another, the, the last thing is um, uh, a record label. Oh, Superior Viaduct is the name of the label. And they, they have an arm called Stranded, which sends me these emails about just these kind of weird out of print or out of date uh, kind of vinyl stuff. So I've, well, but the, like they reissued all of PJ Harvey's um, oh, wow. stuff on vinyl with demos. Like she's reissuing like demo version, like the demo versions of all her albums, which I thought was really cool. And then like this jazz guitarist named Calvin Keys, um, mm-hmm. who I had never really heard of, but then, and, and just getting into this, it's just like the older I get, like I'm interested in new music, but m- the new music for me starts to be kind of older music that I mm-hmm. have maybe not discovered yet. Being a a big music fan, there's just so much. It, it, books, music, all that stuff. There's just so many like rabbit holes to go down that those are, yeah, those are some things that have brought me joy. That's fantastic. We'll definitely link to all those. And, and I think one of the things as you get older and you still have that yearning, that, that need for new music, book recommendations, I think Chip and I mentioned this on a show before. One of my favorite things is going to uh, Amoeba Records. What's in your bag. Yeah. And the beauty of it is what, they basically, if I'll just tell our listeners, if you don't know, they get people from all different music genres, jazz, rock, straight up pop, indie, punk, metal. They give them like $100 and a bag and they're like, go through the Amoeba record store, which is an amazing records and books and t-shirts and have at it. And then they sit down and they walk you through each purchase. I'm excited. I'm saving this one that I just just went live yesterday. Clem Burke, drummer for Blondie, one of my favorite drummers growing up. He was this mod drummer who was in this kind of, you know, new total New Yorker guy, but dressed like a mod, like from the Who early Quadrophenia days, just attack the drums. And he has one. I think it's like 10 minutes long. And I'm so excited because I'm never able to predict what music people will like except for every metal guy guar guys from like cannibal corpse guys from like system of the down to a t will start off the same way i know this isn't very metal but god i love this album and they bring out like disintegration by the cure like every metal guy (laughs) is into the cure no matter what and you're like that's perfect and, but and still the, a bit refreshing. Yeah, yeah. a bit refreshing, yeah. but it's so I, I'm at the but point yeah. now I'm like, listen, guitarist or Avenge Sevenfold, we know you're pulling out a cure record. And it <laughs> it makes me so happy because it's just like, <laughs> yes. And I uh, the thing is like Ted, like the older guys, they kind of will they have nothing to prove. So they'll just pull out like just stuff that you can get where they're coming from the younger people. I swear you'll have like a new band and it'll be like two 21 year olds. And they'll be like, Oh, um, I just got this album because it's, I have the first two, but this is the third from this Himalayan band that 
basically does just Gregorian chants. <laughs> I like the first two. I just don't have this one. And I'm like, do you really? Are you just are you just trying to seem a little deeper than you are? I need eight hours of throat singing and not just <laughs> sick. Oh yes. That, you know, obscure indie release. And that's like such joy. Like I save it for like a Friday night. Great thing is that those people, you know, have spent an hour to three hours browsing and picking these things out and you're not having to browse with them for that time. So you're getting the fruits of their labor and oh, yeah, it's like, totally. you know, five minutes or whatever. And it's like being able to kind of walk through their mind for a second. And, uh, it, and, and also yeah. another part of it that I love, and at least once every couple shows, like they'll have a whole band and then they'll have the drummer who's probably like 115 pounds. And he's like, yeah, I got these, um, you know, Mogwai records, totally love them. And then I saw, I couldn't pass this up. And it's like, it's a ministry t-shirt. And I was so excited. And it's an extra, <laughs> double extra large. But the kid <laughs> bought it anyway, just because it was like the only t-shirt. He's like, I'm wearing this tomorrow. I'm like, are you? <laughs> New sleeping bag. Yeah. <laughs> but it's... <laughs> And, and you know, people at Amoeba are like, we've had that shirt hung up on the wall for like seven years. We're so happy that this young kid is gonna... he, he skittered up there and just pulled it right <laughs> off the uh... Ted, I'm so glad you mentioned you relax with MMA videos. I've mentioned this to Chip and my family thinks I'm insane, but I wind down all I do for the past I just watch I'm not lying, parkour videos. And I go to sleep. If I can't sleep, Chip was teaching me ways to like think about lists and how to help sleep. I try to name as many parkour athletes as I can to help <laughs> me fall asleep. Wow. That's and amazing. I, I don't want right, to put so, you on the spot, but can you just can you name just three? Yeah, I'll give you Max Cave, Benji Cave. I'll give you the Sa Oh, the Cave Brothers. Yeah. Cave Brothers. Actually, but then, of course, they met up with Colum and Sasha and Toby Seagar, <laughs> Drew Taylor, and they formed a, a group called Storer, the number one parkour team in the world right now. Chip, what do you what do you relax into? What's your yeah, uh, Ted, Ted's MMA? I'm parkour. It better be something very manly like that, or it's it's the exact opposite. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I at, at night what I'll do is after my wife goes to bed, uh, usually something black and white. I'll watch. Uh, be it, I just went through the entire series of Dennis the Menace, and that Mr. Oh, Wilson wow. really went through a lot. I mean, just uh, th think about the, the the emotional parkour that that gentleman <laughs> endured over the years. I mean, so, with all the slingshots and, it, and yeah, a lot of miscommunication. A lot of miscommunication. <laughs> uh, I'll watch that. I'll, I will watch uh, the old Twilight Zone episode. I watch any Twilight Zone you put in front of me. And uh, or wrong there. on Peacock, they have a lot of the old uh, Hitchcock movies. So I'll watch. Oh, really? I can't tell you how many times this pandemic I've watched The Birds just over and over again. Perfect that's, for Peacock. Yeah, it, it is. It is. And that's how you relieve stress, Chip, by just the imminent attack of birds. It is. It is. It's just it's it's the enemy that you can see, which is nice. So I, I can see that. Getting back Absolutely. to Dennis the Menace, he was such a I mean, let's just he, he was a dick. He was a dick of a kid. And his parents were such enablers. Like they had to know that he was literally menacing an old man who lived next door to them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And did nothing. Yeah. Did, no, and did nothing to stop it. No. 
He's, he's like the uh, his dad was like the, the man in the yellow hat from yeah. Curious George. Yep. Like George was always getting in trouble, and it's like, why is this adult man yeah. allowing this monkey to roam free? This is, it's not the monkey's fault. It is it is his his guardian's uh, fault. Right. There's 100%. a monkey in your neighbor making in the Italian restaurant next door. He's mixing meatballs with his hand, and everybody's letting him do it. It's yeah. a monkey. Yeah, they're enabling him. Yeah, but I kind of blame Dennis. Like, I won't blame <laughs> George because George right. is a monkey. George yeah. is a monkey. <laughs> Yeah, the, he doesn't have know, the mental this yeah, no, faculty you know, to know what's right or I mean, wrong. You tell Dennis once or twice, like, "Hey, man, leave Mister Wilson alone," <laughs> and he's still uh, still going at it. It's like, right. all right, that you're a young Ted. You have the options of hanging out with all your friends, Ted. You gonna your friends are <laughs> skateboarding to listen in the JFA. You're in Virginia, <laughs> and then on the other side, you have an elderly neighbor. <laughs> Your choice is I'm going to go do some front side grinds with Jimmy and Tommy, or I'm going to go harass poor Mr. Wilson who lives next door. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it'd be interesting to follow Dennis into adulthood when he becomes, you know, a serial killer or, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear that BTK probably was Dennis the menace as a child. Yeah, I don't want to get too dark, but I mean, no, I know, uh, but it's a lot of little kids like will mess with animals, will go light a fire in their backyard. But your single focus is, I'm gonna fuck up that old guy's day. (laughs) He's just going to torment the senior. (laughs) (laughs) His his high school yearbook quote was just like, most likely to torment a senior. (laughs) Yeah. F you, Mr. Wilson. I know you're reading this. He's, he's and he's he's the only senior in his class wearing uh, overalls in his yearbook picture. He like Still. just serial killer alone. Just just an adult in overalls is is not is, can't is give it up. not comforting at all at all. They every shouldn't make them they shouldn't make him an adult size. No. They, yeah. doing that every right day there. he just walks into school. Principal puts his hand out, takes out his slingshot. Here you go. Yep. Right, he has to get it at the end of the day. Uh, we'll do, we're going to do a, we're going to do a, a Dennis to Menace viewing and we can um, chip you and I, we're talking about getting prepared for the show. Some of our favorite animated TV shows. And Ted, I want to talk on that, like which were some of your inspiration, but anytime chip and I bring up a topic, we both do research into the topics. Chip, have you done any research about any uh, cartoons, animated shows? I did actually. I looked back, and you know, we can talk about some of our favorites. I actually looked up some of the lesser-known uh, cartoons, animated series throughout mm-hmm. the years that weren't very popular. But some of you might remember some of these. They're mostly in the seventies and eighties. Uh, they didn't seem to go too long. So I'd love uh, to hear I, about some of them. Would you, would you love to hear about them? I, some of these I couldn't believe they they you know they did that. Um, uh, uh, do you remember House Plants, the animated series? No, I don't don't think I do. It was um, very short lived. (laughs) Uh, It was a cartoon about a group of houseplants who become friends in the living room of a a divorcee in suburban Indianapolis. The problem (laughs) with that is that houseplants can't move. So it was really just them sort of sitting around talking about life. Uh, Mm -hmm. And the only only really good thing to come out of that was the memorable catchphrase from Freddie the Fern, where he would always say, I feel dead inside. I don't know if you guys remember that at all. <laughs> that was a, yeah. Um, there was a, uh, do you, do you, uh, Jeff, do you remember? Um, I'm sure I know you're a big Jaws fan as am I. It's my favorite movie of all time. Uh, there was in 78, I think it was uh, very, just a couple episodes. 
a cartoon called Paying the Bills with Roy Scheider. <laughs> and uh, I vaguely remember, I remember, yeah, seeing it in a TV guide. It was just an animated series of act, animated actor Roy Scheider sitting at a dining room table, smoking cigarettes, paying the bills. And every once in a while, he would just raise his head and angrily yell, $147 for the electric. And then he also had a, a magic porcupine as a sidekick, which was that kind of added something. Makes sense if you think about it. Roy Scheider yeah. and a porcupine. Uh, there was, uh, if you go back a little further, there was the Warren Commission animated hour, if you remember <laughs> that. Uh, it was the it was an hour long episodes uh, that captured the the Warren Commission hearings word for word. But you know, <laughs> just um, word for word. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the Witness Babies. I don't know if you remember Witness Babies from '86. <laughs> Uh, you guys remember the, the Harrison Ford uh, movie yes. Witness? Oh, yes. Where he's a police officer that goes into hiding in a Mennonite community to protect a young Amish boy who witnessed yeah, very, a murder very, before yeah, he testifies. Well. Yeah, it's basically that, uh, but they're all babies. So that was oh, wow. uh, that was a fun one. And, um, and, then, and then, of course, there was always the ones where, you know, they would always attach a – a celebrity and they would put him somewhere. It was like camp candy where John candy was a camp counselor. Mm -hmm. You know, the Harlem Globetrotters would always show up. Mr. T yep. ran a gym, uh, a gymnastics team. If you remember that one, uh, it, Shelby loved that one. That was, that was one. <laughs> Sorry, of Shelby, Shelby needs to go out one time. Okay. So, but the, um, yeah, but, but a few of the, the ones that, uh, you know, where they would take and attach a celebrity to it, uh, just didn't really didn't seem to work. There was, um, if you remember from, from 1981, we're talking about these celebrities, Jeff, where they yeah, attached yeah. them to it, uh, from night, actually 1983, uh, it was called the new, new Testament, which was like, <laughs> it was, the, it was one of the religious ones they would put on Sunday mornings. This was a cartoon retelling the stories of Jesus, but the character of Jesus was replaced by modern day actor Dabney Coleman. Oh, and it was also That's voice. He was hot off the heels of his, uh, his sitcom and they just wanted to like, latch onto star power right and it was voiced by dabby coleman and he was also the the executive producer and then of oh, course there was the sense. the ill-fated <laughs> ill-fated 1981 um that only lasted i think six episodes talia shire's cartoon carnival <laughs> where uh actress talia shire of course adrian from rocky she voices her animated self where she owns a traveling carnival run by a group of zany kangaroos uh, and uh, do you guys remember her catchphrase that she always used to say? I know she had one. I don't remember. Yes. I, I, I yeah, I don't want to dare guess I, it. I think I'm sure you remember. It was, uh, she always used to say, uh, I, I feel a migraine coming on. I need to lie down. <laughs> yes. I do remember the canned laughter after it. Right. That, right. And yes. then, and then yeah, you wouldn't see her for lying. the rest of the episode. Yeah. Didn't your yeah. son, Jason Schwartzman, didn't, what, didn't he have a couple like small cameos? cameos? Yeah. Small cameos. Yeah. Full haircut. Yep. Mm -hmm. Adorable. Yeah. Right. And he would just yeah. come in and, and go like and, that. And everybody's and, nuts. Mommy's lying down. Like that. <laughs> Something like that. I and I'm sure you probably remember that the, the kangaroo that ran the tilt a whirl was voiced by a young Tony Shaloub. So, uh, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yes. Pre, pre, pre wings. Yeah. Yes. Very pre wings. Yeah. So those you, are just some, some of the you lesser do your notes. research, Chip. That's one Holy thing, moly. Ted. Chip is a stickler for research. He is like super Google. It's like Google no one else has. It goes a little bit deeper. I mean, I don't think I, I barely remember any of these. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And you just... watched from TV growing up, Ted, and you, you don't remember these? 
I mean, I watch a lot of TV. They, they, I mean, they, they're just coming forward like, you yeah. know, ghosts right. in my mm-hmm. mind. Yeah, it's just amazing. Thank you, Chip. No, no problem. Well, I have, Chip, I also, you know, I want to do my part. I don't want you doing all the sure. heavy lifting on the show. I appreciate that. I did look for, and I found some least popular cartoon spinoffs okay. and, and downright ripoffs. So, you know, back then you have a hot property, you have like a cartoon, you want to keep it going. You try to like maybe spin it off. Do you guys remember Tom and Jerry and the Fonz? No, no. I, okay. That's, Holy it moly. was, it was trying to take the heat of Tom and Jerry, the heat of happy days, marry them together for an animated show. It lasted six episodes, six episodes. Yeah. Yeah. That, I don't think that has legs. Um, do you guys remember um, just Fred, just Fred? It was a spinoff starring only Fred from Scooby Doo. Oh, okay, yeah, wow. that's yeah, that doesn't seem yeah. to. Uh, I watched a couple very of sedate. Yeah, on on YouTube, basically he didn't solve crimes. They just showed him like shopping for ascots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ascot. yeah. <laughs> Again, these are spinoffs. There are a couple ripoffs, just blatant ripoffs. You guys ever watch uh, the cartoon Carpet Vermin? <laughs> no, I don't. I, I don't didn't know what that was. I I started watching it. It looks like a pretty overt ripoff of Rugrats to oh, me. Is that God. okay? Yeah, yeah. They very low but rent. Maybe dirtier, like a slightly <laughs> downright filthy. Yeah. Downright, it was just filthy rat-like babies, vermin-like babies. <laughs> Again, um, some ripoffs. Oh yeah, this one we all saw it. We're all like, this seems a little familiar. Preteen karate sore frogs. yeah that 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 one was i remember that i remember that one that ted i remember we talked about that once it was the only show to get a cease and desist mid debut episode in the middle of the debut episode it was pulled all the characters had philosophers names yes socrates plato aristotle and kierkegaard and again they were the preteen karate sewer frogs like descartes always loved his stromboli it was yeah he was always (laughs) I, I actually remember watching that episode. My brother was only four years old. We're watching the episode. He just turns to me. He goes, this is derivative. That's what he said. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's a Philly only show. This was good. I mean, growing up, Chip, you watched it. I watched it. Alvin and the Chip Chantries. Really? Yeah. I, I, uh, wow. An homage to me. And I, I, I never, never, never saw it. I got to look at it. I got to Google it. it up. It's great. Yeah. Wow. Again, it's another. That's delightful. It, it, it's very, very fun. Very fun. Uh, another spinoff, Ren and Stimpy and the Fonz. Again, trying Ooh. to get the heat that Tom and Jerry and the Fonz once enjoyed. Yeah. Ren and Stimpy and the Fonz. Seven episodes. Seven yeah. episodes. Mm, yeah, a little better. A little better. Little better. Yeah, they, they, but they, they haven't really learned their lesson. Um, here's another one. I think this is a blatant ripoff. It was The Man and the Misters of the Universe. The man, okay, and the mistress, <laughs> mistress of the universe. Just a, it was a cartoon. It looks like about just a bunch of average guys, like in Sounds a neighborhood. A little misogynistic. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, a lot of I'm... like my wife jokes and like you know Saturdays for the boys type thing. But uh, <laughs> that's what you get when you when you gather together the mistress of the universe. Yeah. yeah. Is, is that where? Is that the one where they stayed in Motel Grayskull? Is that what? <laughs> was that? I think that was the one. A lot of road trips. Yeah. Yes. To, yes. Yeah, to, uh, uh, only a few more, guys. This is another blatant ripoff. This is more of the uh, 
I don't know if maybe you could guess it was it was like a garbage pale kids but with bears garbage pale kids but with bears the care less bears careless bears. yeah <laughs> yeah that's you yeah, see, just, bears so, could care less didn't they didn't they eventually rebrand those as the Sherman bears yes yes just as filthy just as gross <laughs> they grew up a little bit and then they just prided themselves on on doing it in the woods and by it yeah. i mean pooping yeah yes guys I, I got three more do you want to hear them absolutely oh, God. yeah i mean these yeah, are this, just this is what i guess came after this was a spinoff this is called the newly thin albert who now takes care of himself and the cosby kids that, you know, that okay. seems like a good one for the kids. You know, it's a health, health forward, health conscious. I, I enjoy that. Do you after remember one the, wait, one episode? People like their Albert's fat, Ted. Yeah. They did yeah, not want a newly true. thin Albert who now takes care of himself. Did he, did he have, was it the same gang or was it the actual Cosby kids from the Cosby show? No, actually yeah. it was the same animated Cosby kid and the one kid who wore a hat over his face, but it kind of looked like a shell. And when you were a kid, you yep. were always confused what was going on with that. Right? Yeah, is this like half a ski mask or like, yeah. yeah. Or is that actually part of his physical makeup? Exactly. Like, you know, right, you didn't know. They never really addressed it. All right, I got I got two more guys. This one's about a, a kid, a, the kid Pope who rides a pony. It's called My Little, po My Little Pontiff. Oh wow! Yeah. Did you guys ever see my little pontiff? It's it's starting to sound familiar. Yeah, uh, yeah. we grew up Lutheran, and it, that was very forbidden in my in my home. Oh, Ted, I, I believe yeah. we share the same face, so it's pretty obvious. So you watched my little pontiff. Yeah, I remember and... him. Like uh, he would like charge up a mountain, like Body of Christ. Yes, yeah. like you know, Just throwing um, out communion yeah. wafers. Yes, exactly. He had a little gun that shot communion wafers. Oh, I think. Do you remember the gun, Ted, that shot the little discs? Like you had yes. the little discs, like a space gun, and yeah. it just shot little discs, and it was the, the little white discs. Yeah, little. Well, the, the, and they had uh, little um, in like little holes in them. Holes, yeah, to give them like uh, the ability to to just kind of skitter around. But yeah, 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 and you could load like a certain number into the yep. gun. I think, yeah, yeah. I, I remember having the one when I was fly I, these days. I, I was really little. I was about four years old, and I think it was at the the circus of the carnival. I got a plastic gun where you pulled it, and literal sparks would come out like fire. Do you remember that? Where yes, and it would smell yes. like fire. You would you would pump it, and and sparks would would come yes. like come out it, and it, land it, on it the was, carpet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yelled at by your parents. Like yeah. a, a flint. Uh, it, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Tinder and flint, and it was. Perfectly acceptable. Starter. This is a fire starter, but I think we can make it a children's toy. Yeah, yeah if they failed at Rev and Dev at the company, you're like, guys, we we put five hundred thousand dollars into these things, and it just doesn't really work. What we wanted to do, you want to sell it to kids? Oh hell yeah, sure. Just make that. it just make it candy colored. You yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Oh, I have one more, guys. One more. This cartoon. This cartoon was about angry, angry little green Irish guys living in Boston. Very tiny little group of little green Irish guys in Boston. The Murphs. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 was a, that was a good one. Very that was familiar. Yeah. Yeah. It, it actually aired the same exact time as the Smurfs, only in Boston. 
Sure. Very, think, uh, yeah, it was pretty overt in its racism. Mm -hmm. um, okay. They're from the South side. Yeah, Papa Murph, I remember, was uh, very loud and very opinionated in yes. a lot of the wrong ways. Papa yeah. Murph. Uh, do you guys remember Murphette? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I remember kind of having a crush on her. I, you know, I was very foul I, mouth, very foul mouth for for a for a small green Bostonian. But it was great. Uh, I remember getting the bootlegs. My cousins in Boston would always tell me about the Murphs, all the horrible <laughs> language they they learned from the Murphs. I Fantastic. had a number of uh, of. Um, uh, small, um, not action figures, but you know, little figure Murph figures. Figures, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was one, uh, you know, punching, like hitting a soccer ball with a hammer, uh, <laughs> and then uh, um, one in a bathtub, I think, you know, with a with empty bottles around. I don't know. I can't remember what that was happening there. But well, you never knew what sort of violent thing they were going to use, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, it's, this is a sporty Murph, but it also has a hammer, right? Yeah. <laughs> because I think, you know, in the Murph's thinking, it's like any sport can be livened up a bit if you carry a hammer. Exactly. And they're like, oh, yeah. did you guys get the, the Murph with the baseball bat? And then people are like, oh, does, does he play baseball? They're like, oh, no. no. <laughs> he certainly does Hockey. not. <laughs> they all have baseball bats and they're not they're not playing baseball guys and they all lived in didn't they all live in those like tiny mushrooms that definitely used to be dunkin donuts is that how that yeah i think that's where they yeah yeah they were the dunkin donuts that became abandoned and then yeah mushrooms grew up inside grew, them. grew out of them yeah, yeah. if you yeah. guys ever want to revisit this i think the intellectual property rights are now uh, up their gut so we could if we wanted to script the new Murphs, something yep. like that. We we might be able to get that green lit. So we'll and I, I think I remember that one episode where no all pun the, intended with the green yeah, light. The green light, yeah, <laughs> not at all. And, and I th I remember that episode where they they were really mad because they all had green skin, meaning none of them could get shamrock tattoos because yes. they just wouldn't show up really so, hard. Yeah, they had to come to grips to that. Yeah, I know Matt Damon is a big fan of the show. Still talks about it. The Wahlberg brothers always mention the Murphs. Mm -hmm. They might even have a tattoo of them, speaking of, Chip. Yeah. Wow. That would be cool. You learn a lot about the animated things that really inspired us. Ted. What a, what a deep dive. It's a deep dive. I think that's one thing people know when you go on Junk Miles <clears throat> with Chip and Jeff. You're going to get some deep dives. You're going to come away learning some things. Totally. Ted, totally. in addition probably to the obvious animated shows, when you were a young kid, what did you remember, like what show, animated show, cartoon um, really hit home with you? Like which characters? Chip, you too. I mean, <clears throat> so obvious aside, like Bugs Bunny and Looney Tunes was just like, they live for that, you know. But I do remember some obscure, I do remember, do you remember Secret Squirrel and Morocco Mole? Yes. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That Don't... one, my sister. Oh, go ahead. No, no. Those shows, they literally lasted like a year, but they were just played over and over, right? Yeah. And they just were burned into your... So my sister and I used to dr dress up as Secret Squirrel and Morocco Mole and and uh, do like... And my dad has Super 8 footage of us oh my God. Uh, doing some sort of a mystery, uh, you know? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. That was one that I... I couldn't tell you like what 
what it was about or what happened. Yeah, but, but I just remember that was like a, 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 a Hong Kong Fui was another one that he was uh, the number one super guy, Hong Kong Fui. Yeah. Yes, he was. Right? Yeah, he was, I mean, was Hong Kong Fui the one who went into the file the filing cabinet? cabinet? Yep. Yes. In the, the top cabinet and now the bottom yep. in his, his karate outfit. I heard, and Ted, you know MMA probably better than me. His karate was impeccable. Like masters will watch that show, watch his style, his technique, and they'll be like, spot on. I, yeah, a lot of mixed martial artists today. <laughs> a number of the the, the top, top tier ones had, were heavily influenced by his his style. by his his Hong Kong Fui style. <laughs> One guy in particular, I know, uh, trains with a filing cabinet. <laughs> that smart, uh, smart. Yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, it's just like, look, it's paid off. You know. Yeah. I well, Chip. Do you, what do you, what do you think? Do you have some, I mean, heavily influenced by Looney Tunes, obviously. And, um, one of the ones that really, and and again, this is just a a short lived one, but it was in, I was a little bit older, but it was in 91 where my brother and I watched a show called space cats, which we loved. (laughs) It was called space cats. It was developed by Paul Fusco, who was the creator of Alf Mm -hmm. and the, the beginning and interstitials, there was a, it was sort of an Alf Muppet Jim Henson kind of situation where these space cats, and then they would they would throw to these uh, cartoons of these cats from space that came to Earth to to help everybody. But it was really a little subversive and funny. They actually Charles Nelson Riley was their boss. Was this like <laughs> this disembodied head of a boss, which he was really funny. But they would always it there was they would always flip the script, and that's why we always liked it because it was smarter. It 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 was referencing other. Car- commercial uh cartoons like gi joe would always do the the lesson at the end like you know and now you know sort yep. of thing you know where they uh they would do that but it would always be absurd where they're like all right today's uh you know message from the space cats to you kids here's here's a little uh, message to live by never stick your face into a bag of angry squirrels right. like that was just like the f- and my brother and i just thought that was the funniest thing because it was it was that self-referential thing which we we always thought was, was and, really funny yeah and i think TV, the, the cartoons like G.I. Joe and He-Man, the reason they ended all of those shows with the main person giving a positive spin was to make it more marketable for the toys. So they mm-hmm. wanted parents to be like, oh, I'm not going to let you watch this crash commercialism for a toy product show. They're like, all right, we have to placate the parents. So if the parents see this, they see He-Man kicking some butt. At the very end of every show, they know He-Man's like, Hey guys, that was a lot of fun, right? Here's my message. Don't hit each other. Just kind of be cool, right? <laughs> Don't accept people for who they are because that's what He-Man and the Masters Universe do. Right, Mom? You know, they they knew that was part of the package to keep on selling the toys. So you're saying then this this Space Cats kind of made it's, fun it, of that. It, it yeah. lampooned that, which, which was awesome. great. So it just, yeah. And, and that was the thing that I always appreciated to, to see something make, making fun of something else and, and, you know, sort of mocking it rather than being so earnest. And and that's one of the things too. And I, and I think I, I would assume when we sort of touched on this, but with both of your sense of humor and with my sense of humor, I think we, we have that thing where, whether it is that the uh, B. Kleeman, which I, which I loved or the far side, or if you went further, the red meat comic strip, yeah. you get the red yep. max cannon. And that was something that I, even as a little kid, I always sought out where it was, I always wanted something when it came to comedy, something 
I always appreciated weird rather than just on the nose comedy. It was where other people might not get. It. I remember like my dad would be like, I, this doesn't make any sense. And it's like, that, that's what's funny about it. It's, it's so bizarre, you, you know, and that's what I think. Did you guys seek that out? And I can definitely see it in both of your writings, but that weird was just as funny as, as funny was like when I was, when I was, uh, you know, a, in middle school, you know, Wayne's World and the Church Lady were big on SNL, and everybody loved Wayne's World and Church Lady. And there's nothing wrong with that; I, those are fine. But m my friends and I, we always we couldn't wait until Deep Thoughts uh, came yeah. on Jack Handy's Deep yeah. Thoughts because that was when everybody was quoting Wayne's World or or whatever. We we didn't really have time for that. It was like, how weird can you get? And that was always what I like sought after. You know, was it was something just bizarre. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, it was like a totally. uh, a gift once you understood what the joke was. Like you're, wait, and, what did he and say? And that's the thing. And it was always, it wasn't like weird for weird sake necessarily. It was like, it was just, it was that surprise. Mm -hmm. It was always an element of, of su surprise, which which is what I love about any, you know, good comedy is just this kind of the unexpected and the abstract, yeah. you know. Um, or like you take an abstract element and you put it in a normal setting and then see you know, um, what ensues. That's um, pretty much like the cartoons today that are popular with kids are just the most abstract, weird, nothing makes sense universe of weird characters, you know, a whole show, like a great show, the regular show. It's like one guy's a raccoon, one guy's a gumball machine, one guy's a blue jay, and they're all groundskeepers and they just spend the day just trying to like mess with each other and it's fantastical it's funny it makes no sense it's not really plot driven and it's such a cool thing for young kids to just be like yeah it doesn't have to be this you know sitcom type plot for a cartoon so exactly. they can, we I can think still have the same story themes and like you know but like it's just finding Cause there's only so many stories you can tell, but like, right. you know, if you push those through like these filters that you never thought like could exist, you know, especially growing up, like we did with these traditional kind of, you know, entertainment delivery systems or whatever. That's like what, like, I just remember when I was in college, they rebooted mighty mouse. It was like mm -hmm. the mighty mouse, the new adventures. And it was like, um, Ralph Bakshi, uh, was a producer and, it, I just remember this absurdist element suddenly coming into like they there was an episode like, like Pee Wee Herman was like King Kong sized on the Empire State Building. There was just this weird, and it was the first time that it was just started to kind of seep into pop the culture. Yeah. You know, it was just this kind of absurdist kind of thing, and it, that <clears throat> I think somebody from Ren and Stimpy might have been involved in that somehow and moved on, and just things got weirder from there, but. Um, yeah, I, I definitely, that was the kind of thing that appealed to me from the get go. Two you know what I hated? Oh, sorry. No, no, no. God, I'd rather hear some of what you would hate. <laughs> I don't usually like espout things, but like, it's funny as a kid, like, uh, growing up in the seventies, um, there really, there was just a limited amount of things available to watch. Like, you know, there wasn't like before cable came around and, you know, uh, on Saturday morning. And I just remember there were certain shows that like, just I did not care for, but I watched them like, mm -hmm. and like the Flintstones, like, 
No. I fucking hate the Flint. Excuse yeah. me. I, I'm just not a fan of the Flintstones or the Honeymooners or anything that loud and obnoxious. But I remember watching. Um, you But you just watched them because it was what you did. Like, you know. What's the alternative? What's yeah. the alternative? Like, no. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's especially if you're, you know, TV centered. I just, and it's like. Like I can remember that depressing, you might remember this, Jeff, like the, the kind of that Sunday, late Saturday oh. afternoon or late Sunday morning or late Sunday afternoon. One of those two days that like the week, like the sun's starting to go down. It's yep. like, it's too cold outside to go out and play. Yep. And like the only thing on TV was hee haw. Yeah. And, <laughs> Abbott, Abbott and Costello movies and hee haw. And like some church shows. And then you would just kind of, if it was too cold to go out. And then the worst part of the day, when you hear the ticking clock of 60 minutes, then you know, (laughs) you know, the weekend's completely over. Yeah. You didn't do any of the homework you were supposed to do. The book reports do. Yeah. That, I still have a visceral response. No matter, it could have, it could be like the 60 minutes episode could be about, you know, my wife saving a baby drowning. And I would hear that ticking, but like, oh, I can't listen. I can't watch. It's, it's, nope. Sorry, Phil. <laughs> not doing it. I'm just got bummed out. Yeah. And then, yeah. then you start to try to feel something in your stomach that you're not feeling well, that maybe Monday I'm, I'm going to be out of school. I mean, it was yeah. just, for me, it was the, the, I think it was Saturday afternoons could be really depressing. Again, it's that cold thing where you can't go outside and it would be, um, it would either be mama's family or college <laughs> basketball and just eat the just college basketball and or mama's family. And those two options were just the most horrific. It was, it was, it was yeah. terrible. And then yeah. like maybe star search. And I'm like, I can't, yeah, I can't yeah. Star search right now. You know what? We're too great. Um, well, there's the nineties had three of my favorite animated series and they two were very short lived, but, the tick two seasons in the nineties, the animated series, the tick was so perfect in every way. And the critic 1994, 95, John, uh, John Lovitz. Lovitz. Yeah. It was such a nonstop, just bashing everything like Hollywood, the whole idea of movies, TV shows, the fawning obsequious nature of fans. And just the way John Lovitz would walk around. And when he'd say, it stinks. Like that was his catchphrase. He just be like, "It stinks," and he just got like beaten upon. It was one season, and it was if you ever can watch an episode, it's great. Um, I was always a big fan of uh, uh, in that era of Doctor Katz. Love yeah. Jonathan Katz, yeah, and sure. then Doctor Katz just that because it was it was stand up comedians which I loved and I worshipped, and it would be Dave Attell, an unknown, yeah. relatively unknown Dave Attell doing his stand-up via the uh the couch the, the couch and oh man it was so funny and then of course beavis and butthead but beavis and butthead i think was such a a necessary kind of paradigm shift in just you know it, it could be base it could be crude but when they had such subtle digs on like just bands like pavement my that's my one of my favorite it's, pavement's my favorite band and it's my favorite dig uh of of all time just yeah just like a simple one one phrase dig from butthead maybe could have ruined a band's career back then yeah, yeah. <laughs> what what was the pavement dig 
Oh, was, was, wasn't it? Uh, like the, you know, they were watching. I think it was the the cut your hair video, yeah. and I think I think he just said, and it's because it's so brilliant. And again, it's so base, but it's so brilliant. He goes, "These guys need to try harder." Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, that was, just that, was... that sort of. I'm going to give just quickly a list of, you know, I have kids, so over the past ten years or so. There were five shows that kind of made animation and, and they made these shows for kids, but they also just resonated with adults. And if you ever get a chance, like Gravity Falls, a show that uh, animated show by a guy named Alex Hirsch for Disney Channel. It's fantastic. I think four or five years. Um, I'm blanking out on her name, but Bob's Burgers, voice actress. Um, does a voice of the main character here. Is it Kristen Shaw? Kristen Shaw. Yeah, Kristen Shaw. She does the main voice and she's wonderful in it. Um, Avatar, The Last Airbender. It's just a, a this epic show about three little kids in this fantastical world where they have to like defeat, you know, a big baddie. But it's just really funny, really well written and one of the most just like heart, you get so involved in it and you watch it with the kid or watch it in your own. You're like, wow, this is great. Is this and- one with the, uh, the wisecracking wood woodpecker? No, 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 that's, that's okay. not it. Okay. Then, uh, of course, Phineas and Ferb's another big one. Teen Titans go extremely funny. Just makes fun of superhero fandom. That's all I'll say about that. And I mentioned the regular show before about the, mm-hmm. uh, the blue Jay, the raccoon gumball machine. Probably my favorite animated. I'll say it's my favorite animated series of all time. Counting, you know, your your Simpsons, your South Park, Bob's Burgers. Like that is bought in the last. I don't know. Is it ten years now, Ted? How long has Bob's been on? Feels uh, like, uh, about that. Almost, maybe two thousand eleven. Yeah, close, or, yeah. Close. it is just. I, I think the whole idea of it's a family, not a lot of money the absurdist nature of, of the car- of the personalities of the kids. Like it's one of those shows. I have a different favorite character, like every year. It's mostly, <laughs> it's mostly Jean. <laughs> the third creator of the great North Minty Lewis. Uh, she worked on the regular show for. Uh, oh, did she really? Yeah. There's such a, a <clears throat> sense of humor to that show that I've watched others with my kids, but right away you're like, Oh yeah, I get this. Do you, uh, do you remember Harvey Birdman, Attorney yeah. at Law. Oh, mm-hmm. it was great. That was that was another Adult Swim. What was the Adult Swim show? And it's one of the longest titles ever about hell and you your were pretty act- face. Your pretty face is going to hell. Your pretty face is going to hell. Yes, Dave Willis and, and Dave Willis Casper Kelly, um, and Dave Willis, uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. That's um, yes, that's, that's good. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Uh, he, they also he also. Uh, did Squidbillies with Jim Fortier. And- what was your favorite thing, Ted, that you've acted in? I, I'm going to throw out one of my favorite things. I love when you popped out of the desk of Conan. <laughs> that was really, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I'd yeah, say I that think- that was one of the most unexpected gags <laughs> on, a, on a Conan show. Um, yeah, be, doing. I've done a couple bits uh, for Conan and uh, the writer. I know a lot of the writers and... Uh, they were great. That's always a lot of a lot of fun. Is that like you get a call from one of your friends who's a writer, mm-hmm. like, "Hey Ted, we have like a we have we wrote about a guy popping out of a desk who lives under Conan's desk. You up for it?" Yeah, 
that was Dan Cronin. And then like okay. my friend Todd Levin, uh, who works there, they like, they would be like, yeah, thinking of you for a bit. And then I would get a call from the casting lady and it's, yeah, it's all very kind of like same day or next day, you know, uh, if you're available, that's what made living in LA much, you know, uh, great for that because, and I was available. Yeah. Those are really funny, but that the, your pretty face is going to hell was great. It's a lot of fun. Of course that was, I would go to Atlanta for that, but like, Oh, is that where that shot? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so you got to wear has, cool makeup and little devil horns and yeah. I mean, the makeup was the, the makeup <laughs> people that they get the guys, they had, um, this guy, Shane, um, oh God, I'm blanking, but he was I'm sorry, Shane, but he was, uh, he kind of was the head of the, of the whole makeup and effects there. And he's just an, uh, incredible, uh, talented dude. And, um, and they did a lot with a little, um, but that makeup, yeah, it was just like spray airbrushing. Um, Shane Morton is his name. Uh, and, uh, like airbrushing and all the elastic, uh, and the horns and yeah, it was just, it was, it was, it was, and he would build these puppets. I got to work with, um, in one episode, I got to work with a, a, a CPU computer monitor, a computer kind of <laughs> CPU that he'd made into a puppet with a face. And, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just that he could carve stuff out of foam. It was just like um, really, really. But so that was a lot of fun. And there was just a lot of funny people and just being in that environment. Uh, you know, it's like being at a week of like funny camp or something. Um, <laughs> a week of funny camp. But, and also my friend Scott Jacobson, he's directed a lot of music videos and that's been really cool to be in like super chunk videos and uh, uh, Eleanor Friedberger and different musicians that, um, and, and Scott's a really funny guy. Scott's and great. I love so, Scott. So like, you know, it's going to be something funny and enjoyable. Um, so those have been really fun. To I do. think the one, I know you're in a couple super chunks. I think one of the, you were a very, you were a, uh, like at a craft, were you working like a crafts fair booth in one of the, uh, and you were yes. very forward and you were, I think, annoying people. <laughs> yes. With, uh, with Laura, uh, Laura, yes. Super Chunk. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun to, uh, to be in that. I mean, that, that was down in North Carolina. So you're um, still open to acting gigs now that you're, you're doing the writing stuff. You still. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still interested in that. It's just cause it's what I kind of, did in college and kind of, you know, did, yeah, you had, did you stand had up and life, sketch and all right, that you stuff. You had a whole and, life before you were in New York city denizen for a long time. You were in the, you were in bands, you were in the yeah. theater scene, you were in all of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I moved there in 93 and then, uh, moved away in 2013. I, there was a year that I was here in LA, like 2005, which I like to pretend didn't exist, but, mm -hmm. uh, but other than that, I was in New York for that 20 year period until I, we decided to come back out here. We swore we would never come back to LA unless I actually had a job. And then I was offered a job. So we came back. Nice. Um, but then it was, I was naive to think that those jobs, once you get that writing job, they just, you know, you just go right into the next writing job. And it's a little more, I think that might've been that way, like, you know, in 1979, but uh, uh, now it's a little harder to continue working 
if you're just a, you know, if you've just gotten one staff writer position, it doesn't mean that you're going to, you don't get automatically get the next one when that one ends. There's no, <laughs> I mean, really it was a naive way of thinking of like, well, I've made it to that level. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm, are there more a hard lesson to learn? And Chip, this, you know, this as well as Ted, are there just more people who are comedy writers or think they're comedy writers now because of the last 10 years where there's these new venues to write so-called short form comedy now, like back in the late nineties, Ted, where you had like, you know, a group of writers who wrote on Letterman wrote on Conan. If that ended, they know, Hey, there's a new sitcom. He'll just bring me along. There's not a lot of competition. I would imagine now there's much more competition. There are people from Twitter who got hired uh, on late night talk show staffs. You know what I mean? Like now there's more people true. Not true. I, I think that there's like, there's always been a lot of competition, but I think now there's more outlets for that competition to be seen and mm -hmm. kind of, uh, you know, make themselves known and Twitter being one way, but then, you know, just many platforms now. What do you say, Chip? Yeah, I think so. I think there's, I think there's a lot more opportunities uh, and there's a lot more, I think, jobs out there, but they're also not as high paying and, and as, uh, you know, if you're working on a, a, a short little, you know, project, it's not going to let, you know, that's, you know, 10 weeks or, or whatever it might be. It's not like you get a job on Welcome Back Cotter and you're going to be writing on it all year for X number of years where it's, it's a, a lot more, I guess, piecemeal sort of, sort of work. There's, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's like, there's short form series and different, you know, there's all these outlets that, so there, yeah, there's definitely more content, but not, not all of it is, uh, is sustainable economically, financially, yeah. you know, as far as like, whereas it's funny, I remember reading an article a year or two ago about a Hollywood, I think he wrote a guy that wrote on Roseanne and then was later homeless, um, but was like, but was making... I don't I mean, just the amount of money he was making as a TV writer, it just seems staggering. Mm -hmm. And, and, and obviously that money still is there in certain places and certain levels, you know, and for show is in syndication or run long enough. But, but I think, yeah, I think it was, I think they just drew from a smaller pool um, back, back then. And it was a less diverse and, you know, Mm. less diverse pool, uh, which, you know, it luckily is, is changing in a lot of ways now and has far to go, but still, um, I think Twitter helped me in many ways. I mean, Twitter was definitely a good way to, I mean, I, it's not like it was definitely helped me get out my sensibility. You know, it was a place where I could just like, I could be exactly the weirdo that I am and mm -hmm. like people would either like it or not. And, like I didn't have to appeal to anybody. This is the raw feed of who this guy is in some ways, you know. I think that's a neat thing. Like as you know, you guys are writers. Um, you know, when people are doing their due, due diligence to hire you for a job, they have your resume, they have your whatever, your reel, or I don't know what you guys call it. But then you know, like I know when I hire people at work, I go through their resume. I'll do an online social media check to see like what they're involved with. Um, and the thing about Twitter is like, Hey man, it's just chip is really funny. You know, this packet, he sent's great. Then they can just literally let me go down his Twitter feed. 
let me go down Ted's Twitter feed. The the, fir the first job I got was, it was through word of mouth. It was one of my friends was a writer. They needed another writer. So they he suggested me and they had me write a packet and they had me you know, kind of go through, go through that. But literally he showed them one of my tweets, which was a picture, a photo of me holding up a sign at a, uh, at a race that I made. That was just a marathon, off the, cuff, the marathon. I was holding up a dumb sign and they literally looked at the picture and they're like, that's the guy we want. That's the sensibility. That's it. I don't even know if they looked at my packet, but it was just <laughs> that one little snapshot. They're like, that's it. You know, and, Ted, and I, I believe the sign chip held was, it was along the lines of telling your wife that your cat or dog died, correct? Right. So I was just holding up a sign because it's always like, oh, we love you, Kelly. Only one yeah. more mile to go. Have a beer. Yeah. And so I just made a sign that because and it, it's always Megan is always the name. Yes. It's always Megan. So I just <laughs> held up a sign uh, and I had a very solemn look on my face. and I just held it up and it just said, Megan, we had to put down ginger with a, with a sad face. And I just held it up for 40,000 people running past. And uh, they were, uh, some people were really not happy about it. Some people were sad because they didn't realize it was a joke. And <laughs> other people definitely enjoyed it. So, but that photo made the rounds then. And, and, uh, and that was the, uh, that literally took me five minutes to write, you know, come up with a dumb idea, write it on a sign. And that got me my first, my first writing job was, was that dumb that's, sign right there. And I love, amazing. I love stories like that. I think that's, you know, yeah. as much as when we started out the show, we were saying, you know, Twitter's been good and bad. And like Chip said, I always enjoyed it because I think I'm pretty good at managing it now. It's going to get better now that there's not this, you know, horrible beast of a human being uh, on it. And I really do enjoy hearing about little things like that. Because back, you know, these are the stories back in the day, or like, hey, I got discovered at a soda fountain when I was, you know, and I said something funny when a producer was there and they're like, that lady's got moxie. Next thing I know, I was on the Mary Tyler Moore show, you know, like that's, this is today's modern. Exactly. Which, and it doesn't like, but yeah, I mean, it's that whole overnight success thing, which is, you know, like after 10 years of hard work, but it's great that like picture and that tweet is just, it's an encapsulation of all the hard work that mm -hmm. you've done, you know, and your sensibility, but you were able to put it in this one you know, thing that uh, people can see. And so to have like Twitter or that kind of a platform where they, you know, it's available to see is, and be picked out from that is, it's very cool. But Chip from the, every packet he sent out since then, Ted, it's just a picture of that tweet. Well, yeah. It's that's just, the only, it's the only thing in there. I, I am a joke one trick that, pony. I'm a one trick pony. <laughs> I was going to joke that that was what the packet was. And they just never <laughs> opened it. It was just 30 pages of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's hmm. just, it's just this. <laughs> well, boys, it's an elaborate it, description of what happened to Ginger. <laughs> <laughs> the gritty deed. It's the Bob Dylan video of just chip. Yeah, we just dropping side. the different. Yeah, absolutely. Ginger, we thought was doing well. Yeah, thought she re rebounding. She, she took she a turn. It. Oh God, guys, this ha this was an hour and a half that flew by. Right. Yeah. And wow. and Ted. So that was our first segment of six. Yes. Yeah, so so now, I hope you segment number two now. Put right. the music this, into it. This is the thing All we right. call politics of the day, where we just go down through three <laughs> political stories. We get some zingers, and oh, then we're going to follow it. it up with uh, Riverside FM chat. Yeah. <laughs> just tech stuff. Tech specs from Riverside. The tech best <laughs> of Riverside tech. I yeah, that is fantastic. I wore a diaper, so we're good. <laughs>
It is Friday night. It's a diaper night for, for Ted and everyone involved. Now, so what we're going to do now, guys, Ted, I believe it is February 3rd. No, February, when is the day? 14th. 14th. Is it after something special? I know Fox likes to, it's a Sunday night. Well, everybody who traditionally celebrates uh, Valentine's Day does the um, special mm -hmm. Valentine's Day embrace. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm -hmm. It's after that. So, okay. You know, okay. All right. Yeah. Good yeah. to know. I have to say, I watched both preview episodes. I love it already. I, I just, you guys perfectly cast it. Something about Will Forte, just his voice lends to a, his character, just the way he delivers each line. It, It's like- Amazing. It's so perfect. And you forget it's Will Forte, Forte after, you know, a few lines, but, and that's the thing I love about when you bring in people who do voices, you forget who they are after a while. Cause the characters are so good. It's just those characters and their voices. Will yeah. Forte is so oh, funny too. Great. One of my favorite lines in any television show is him when he was on 30 rock as Jenna's boyfriend, who was her, uh, uh, what, what do you call that impersonator where he would like dress and yeah, drag dress up, as right. her. And that was like the big <laughs> thing. And yeah, yeah. It was when Alec Baldwin first met him, Jack first met him for the first time. And he's like, Oh, you are Paul. I I've, I've heard, so, I've heard so much about you. I've, I've, I've heard about that. And he goes, Oh yes, that's right. You, you did. I'm, I, I'm, I'm originally from Houston and I love to cook healthy. <laughs> like just doesn't doesn't talk about the fact that he's a female impersonator or anything like that. Just I'm, I'm originally from Houston and I love to cook healthy. <laughs> <laughs> great line great delivery That's, all right yeah. so we're all going to be watching the great north chip great north what do we awesome. got coming up uh the night before the great north on a, on a much smaller scale on uh zoom if you will uh unfortunately not i know big competitor of riverside fm but i'm doing a <laughs> we have uh we've put together some some former guests of the show uh some of my favorite stand-up comedians myself mary Rudzinski, david james and James Heskey, uh, we're, we're do, we, we've resorted to doing stand-up comedy on Zoom. So we're going to be doing the four yes. of us gonna be doing stand-up and a couple other little segments and surprises that we'll have uh, for the crowd. So uh, if you follow any of us on social media, we will uh, we'll be putting the link up to that uh, within the next couple of days. Awesome, awesome. All right, guys. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to play us out with our little with our our theme song. We wave at the camera.